What is up, everybody? Ryan from Ryan's Reads here with a spooky sort of surprise for you. I apologize if that was a bit cringy, but we are just going to roll with it. Okay. So, Scream. Yeah, the movie. The original from 1996, directed by my main man, Wes Craven. We're not doing a book this time around. That's the surprise I was talking about. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, this isn't really part of the main Ryan's Reads lineup. It was nearly Halloween, and I wanted to do something for you all, because it's my favorite holiday. Uh, if you guys like this kind of thing, I can do some more in the future. It was one of the original ideas I had while I was coming up with something to do for this podcast. I was thinking, you know, do some books, do some movies, do some shows, some games, maybe that sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah, if you guys like the sort of thing, you can get into contact with me. Now, how you may ask? Well, I made a Twitter account. Yay. Uh, you guys can follow me there at Ryan's underscore reads. Uh, if you just want to keep in touch with me or you want to know what's happening with the episodes and when they're coming out, then Yeah. Or you could also uh, hit the follow button on Spotify as well. Then you will get notified when new episodes drop. So whichever way works for you. Cool. Fine with me. But anyways, let's get into this. Scream is one of the classic horror movies. It has its rightful place next to titles like Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween, which is my personal favorite. Now, while it didn't come out during the horror renaissance, which was the 70s, it definitely keeps up with its older competition. How, you may ask? By being meta as hell. The plot to Scream is okay, don't get me wrong. A masked killer goes around tormenting a local town, focusing primarily on a high school student, and uses the phone to create terror. Cool, yeah? But what makes Scream scream is twofold. The first part is the twists. At the end, when you find out the killer isn't just Cindy, who is the main character's boyfriend, but also that the killer is really the killer's, yeah, it was two people. Insanity. And when they start going through the how and the why of their acts, you just end up sitting there with goosebumps. Not because you're scared, but because you're wondering how the hell all this info managed to slip by you. That's why Scream does so well. The shock factor. Nothing in this movie is as it seems. From who the killer is, to where they're gonna jump out of next. Nothing goes as planned in this movie. Which in turn, is what actually makes a goofy, uncoordinated guy in a Halloween costume scary. Now... Speaking of this costume, let's talk about that for a second. The ghost face, the, the Grim Reaper, whatever you want to call it. We can all agree, it's not a scary costume. We've all seen those shitty masks on Halloween with those shitty little kids running around. We're desensitized. Why would we find, some, why would we find something we see all the time scary? There's no point. Anyone could buy that. But wait, anyone could buy that mask. That means 
anyone could be the killer. That's the point of Scream. They chose such a generic costume to show that you can't trust anyone. To show that anyone, even your closest friends, could be trying to kill you. It's a little scarier now, isn't it? Also, a fun fact, uh, that costume was originally supposed to be all white, but uh, good old Wes thought it looked a scooch too much like a KKK outfit, so they switched it to black. I think they made the right choice, that would have been a bit, a bit awkward, in my opinion. But, secondly, holy shit, it is so meta. Guys, Scream thrives on poking fun at what makes the horror genre the horror genre. From the final goal to the supposed rules of surviving a horror movie, everything that exists in Scream is purely there to make fun of its predecessors. Hell, even the name of Cindy's boyfriend, Billy Loomis. Notice anything, my fellow Halloween stands? Does that name sound familiar? Loomis? As in the name of Michael Myers' psychiatrist in the Halloween series. Ring any bell now? It should. The name of the villain in the movie is literally a dedication to another classic. Scream thrives on references and making jokes. And in that way, I would even go as far as to label it as satire. A spoof movie in the same way in the same vein as Scary Movie, which in turn did actually make a a movie poking fun at Scream, so it's they kind of just lead into each other, but we're not going to get into that. My head will explode. But yeah, it, it makes fun of films and imitates what makes them so laughable when they take them so seriously. So as much as Scream definitely is a horror, it's incredibly versatile in that regard, which is what makes it so great. As much as I love a straight-up horror movie, Variety is the spice of life. And with Scream, variety is there and then some. It feels so fresh. If you think you've seen everything horror can throw at you and you haven't watched Scream, think again. You haven't seen anything yet. Alright, now let's talk characters. We have Cindy, we have Dewey, we have Randy, we have Gale, we have Stu, and we have Billy. Everyone else? Eh. I don't know, they weren't very impactful. And right there, that's one of my problems. I don't like how all of the most of these characters were airheads with no backstory. I know it's a movie and they have a limited time to tell a story, but come on. Give me something to feel attached to before you kill them off. If you're trying to scare me, make me feel. I don't give a shit if you kill off someone I barely know the name of. Even from the names I've listed, some are there only on technicalities. Randy's whole personality is that he has a crush on Cindy and he's a nerd. The only reason I remember his name is because he's the guy that's making most of the references to other horror movies. It's the only reason he's there. And then we got Stu. He's just there because he is one of the killers. I know nothing else about him. Three words. Bad character development. Try harder, Scream. Then maybe I'll care when 
what's her name gets crushed by the garage door. How 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 are you wasting such a cool kill on someone and I don't even know that much about them or what I do know is completely useless. I need more, man. I need more. You can't be doing this to me. The whole thing that makes horror horror is the fact that you're seeing things happen to people that you you feel like a connection to you know what i mean that's that's what makes a good movie a good movie that connection between the viewer and the character so when that's not when that's not there i don't care how gruesome or cool the kill is it's not going to be scary so yeah the characters in scream weren't my favorite but speaking of characters it's time for that special award you know it. You love it. That's right. It's the best boy slash girl slash person award. That award that goes to the best all-around character in a book, or in this case, a movie, that I think deserves the world and so much more. This spooky season, I am proud to award the best girl to none other than... Gail Weathers. Well done, Gail. If you're seeing Scream, you may be a bit confused. Because Gail, well, Gail sucks. She's incredibly rude. But that's why she won the award. She's badass. Name someone else who would get shot, then come back and shoot the killer. You can't. I thought so. Gail gives no shits. She knows what she has to do, and she won't stop until it's done. She doesn't care if some people get hurt in her quest, and that is a quality I can respect in her character. It makes sense for her. And quite frankly, Scream would not be the same without her kicking ass and also getting slapped by Cindy in that one scene, because that was, that was really funny. But yeah, you go, Gail. Good job. And yeah, so considering it is Halloween, I figured I might do an extra little award, and I am dubbing it the annual Holy Shit That Made Me Piss My Pants, Somebody Please Go Fetch a Towel, and the Number to a Therapist Award. I know, I also thought it was pretty catchy. So this award goes to the moment in the movie which actually scared me. That's what that's what we award this to. And this year, I'm giving it to, to Stu and Billy in their reveal that they are the killers. I don't know what it was, but the mix of hyper-craziness from Stu mixed with the calm sadism from Billy that just amplified Cindy's fear and loss of hope that came with each reveal. The moment was really well acted and I genuinely believed that those two were insane killers. And don't get me started when they started stabbing each other. Only only true like psychopaths would think of this shit. They it it really proved how well they thought this out. They knew what they were doing. And and they they knew what they had to do to like get away with it. It was really cool to watch. And I was genuinely 
a bit scared when I watched them act this out because as much as I knew they were just actors, I couldn't help thinking to myself, oh boy, yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're, they're a bit, they're a bit, they're a bit kooky, there's, there's something not right in their heads, they are genuinely unhinged, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's like, really, it was a great job from them, I enjoyed it thoroughly, so yeah, in summary, great film, but come on, Wes, I need better characters, I do hope this problem does get fixed in Scream 5, and I'm leaving the screen with a review of 7 out of 10. Okay, so, here's the thing. I've decided to make this a double feature, everybody, yay! A second surprise for Halloween! Um, yeah, so basically what happened is, um, last night I watched the new Halloween movie, and it is amazing. So, and you know, um, when I originally recorded for this episode, it was a little short. So I decided, you know what? Why don't I just make this a double feature? So yeah, getting two episodes in one. Pretty cool, I think at least. I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, yeah, uh, obviously, this is a new movie. So... Um, if you haven't seen it yet, a spoiler alert is in play, because I will be discussing the plot, and yeah, you guys know how that works by now. So, yeah, I mean, let's just get into it, why don't we? Okay, so, as I said earlier in the episode, Halloween is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, if not my favorite. I love it's so much. Michael Myers is my favorite slasher. And with 12 movies, there are more than enough to get your fill. Now, with these 12 movies, there's a lot of confusion with the timeline. There, there's like around like four or five separate timelines throughout the span of the 12 movies. And with a, a, the 13th, coming like next year or so like it's it's a lot to get through but don't worry i was confused when i first got into it as well but i am here for you guys and i am going to explain the timelines to you now so hold tight this may get a bit confusing okay so we have the original chronology chrono chronology so that starts off with the original Halloween from 1978, and that's followed by Halloween 2, okay, pretty simple so far, and then Halloween 4, and Halloween 5, and Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers. That is right, Halloween 3 is not part of the original chronology, and that is because, this is pretty interesting I think, so um, Halloween was supposed to be an anthology series. So if you don't know what an anthology is, basically they tell a different story each time. So the first movie, yes, that was about Michael Myers. But the second movie, 
the only reason that that was a continuation of Michael Myers is because Michael was so popular. So um, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who were the creators of Halloween, they were like, okay, fine, we'll we'll carry on for this for one more movie, but then we're done. So the third movie, Season of the Witch, is completely separate. It's its own timeline. So that is technically the second chronology, the Season of the Witch. It's basically a standalone movie. But it performed horribly because it didn't have Michael in it. So then they just went back to, you know, the, the normal Halloween, Michael killing people, that stuff. Yeah. So then we have the third chronology, which is kind of like the, I don't know, it's another chronology. It's kind of like they they took out the stuff that was added in Halloween 4 or 5 in Curse of Michael Myers so basically the the third chronology is Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween 20 years later H2O and then Halloween Resurrection, okay? So yeah, that kind of was that was kind of like the first reboot. They only stuck with the original stuff from the first two movies, which in my opinion good choice because when they started adding all of this cult background stuff for Michael, it really got a bit weird. I I wasn't a fan of it personally, but yeah, um, that that this was a really weird chronology. It's not the best one. And then we have the Rob Zombie films. Okay, so Rob Zombie he ha- he he rebooted Halloween and it's its own thing. It doesn't even start from the original Halloween. They completely rebooted it for this. He made two Halloween movies, Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Those are their own timeline, completely separate. And then we have the one that we are currently in. Now, this is an interesting one because unlike the third chronology that went Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then Halloween H2O, Halloween Resurrection. This one takes from the first Halloween movie from 1978 and then scraps the second movie and then goes all the way to this remake. So it goes original Halloween, 2018 remake, Halloween Kills. Now, the reason they did this is because they wanted to scrap the idea that Laurie Strode, who is the final girl in Halloween, they wanted to scrap the idea that Michael and her were related because that idea was brought upon in Halloween 2. So they didn't like that. So only it go, for the current chronology, original 2018 remake, and then we've got this new one, Halloween Kills. And then Halloween ends, which will be coming out next year, hopefully. That will be the the next movie in this chronology. So, um, I know that was a lot, but hey, silver lining, if you were completely confused by that, you don't need to worry, because the only thing you need to know is that Michael Myers is the embodiment of evil, and he is focused on killing people. He's escaped from for this this took place in the in the 2018 remake what i'm going about to say now he escaped from the asylum that he was being held in and he's on the loose again now at the end of the last movie we saw him getting burnt down in a house that Laurie and her family had trapped him in 
So, okay, everyone's thinking, oh, Michael's dead. Hell no, Michael is not dead. Are you kidding me? It's Michael Myers. Michael Myers is insane. So, basically, what happens is um, because the house is on fire, people obviously called firefighters to come put it out. They come, um, they find Michael. He's still very much alive. Michael manages to escape and then he murders all of the firefighters it's so gruesome and i love it it's one of the best um sequences that i've seen in a long time now basically this movie follows i don't really know how to explain the plot of the movie really it's i don't really think it's a it's a plot centric movie basically what happens is michael's on the loose he's trying to kill people and people are trying to kill Michael because they've had enough of it. There's not really any overarching plot in this movie, and I really I don't think it needs one because that's not what it's supposed to be about. That's not what we're supposed to be focusing on in this movie. Michael is the embodiment of evil. They've spent the last 12 movies uh, em- em- just emphasizing that he is pure evil. That's why he kills. And that's what we need to focus on. Sure, a good plot is great. It helps you keep focused on the movie. But it's really... It it takes a backseat in this movie. When you go to see this movie, you go to see Michael be Michael. And I think, I think it does a great job at that, really. Um, this movie is a return to form in the greatest way possible. The amount of references is amazing. Just, oh, I, I mean, so in the last, in the 2018 remake for Halloween, at the end, Laurie got hurt by Michael. She got stabbed. So they take her to a hospital. Now, this is the second movie in this chronology, right? Guess what happened in the second movie in the first chronology? Laurie gets taken to hospital after an incident with Michael Myers. It's literally, it's a return to form. They'd, it's, and it's, it's so good because it's not just a remake of the sequel. No, it's a, like, it's a completely different movie. Like the, the, it's not, the plot is not similar in any way. It's just the, the fact that they reference that is so cool to me. And it doesn't stop there. I mean, You've got the characters, you've got you've got Lonnie, you've got Tommy, you've got Laurie, obviously, you've got all of these returning characters. Hell, even Meredith the nurse from the first movie comes back. And and Lindsay as well. Lindsay was the little kid, and it's so cool that they got the same actors for some of these people. Like Lindsay's actor is the same. Hell, even Michael Myers. The original Michael Myers from the first movie in 1978 came back to play him in certain parts of the movie. How cool is that? This movie is an ode to the original Halloween movie, and I love that. It's it's just so good. Oh, I I I I just love it so much, and it's just you know I was speaking earlier about Michael being pure evil, and it's just they it's the Oh, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. And like, it's just so. At the end of the movie, right? You've got Michael. He's 
he you think he's being taken down they've ganged up on him he's on the ground he's being stabbed he's getting beaten he's everything and all the while this is happening laurie is in the hospital speaking to frank who is another character from the original movie and the and she's telling him oh you know michael's just pure evil the more he kills the stronger he gets and all of this stuff and while this is happening you, we see michael just get up and kill the some 20 people that have been trying to murder him including tommy which is insane it's insane tommy was the kid that laurie was babysitting in the original halloween movie he made it through that he made it through all of this shit and then he dies. He dies. And the movie ends in a way that just, it cements the fact that Michael cannot be beaten. It cements the fact that evil is here to stay. And I love that. The way they do it is everybody's relaxing. Um, one, of the, one of the main characters, I forget her name, but uh, Laurie's daughter... Um, she's in the Myers house, she's looking out the window, and uh, we'll talk more about the window in a second, but then Michael comes up behind her and kills her, and the movie ends with him staring out the window. How cool, like, I got goosebumps when that happened, guys. I got goosebumps. It just shows how how no one is safe from Michael, and Michael can't be beaten, and it's amazing. I, I just love it so much. It really, the whole movie emphasizes how evil this guy is. And it, it's amazing, really. It's a piece of art. Now, this window. This window plays an important motif in this movie. Okay? So, we have got Michael Myers. Michael Myers, his origin story is he killed his sister when he was a kid, right? Then he got sent away to a psychiatric hospital. Okay, cool. So throughout the movie, we hear people talking about how before that happened, um, they would see Michael staring outside um, in his sister's room out this window, right? And then we we kind of get this 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 kind of dialogue later on in the film about oh was he was he staring out or was he was he staring at himself like that's really cool because the, the way i interpret that is is perhaps is it perhaps that michael is so evil that he's kind of scared of himself even that like that could that's how i interpret it because if he's looking at himself he's thinking oh damn what what am i what what is what what is my plan what am i doing in this world what what's in my head that's so like that's so crazy that's so trippy to think about and it further emphasis i know i i'm saying it, it i'm saying the word emphasis a lot in in this in this podcast but it's it just it really it it emphasizes how evil this guy is to be so evil that you're scary in yourself, that you're making yourself worried because you don't know what you're capable of. And then, and he just, he just like, he just snaps. He just snaps afterwards. That, if it's just, it's such a good way to show how evil he is. The film excels in it. Now, on the topic of pure evil, 
um, since this movie came out, there have been um, reports on Twitter and on news feeds like uh, Fox Business, uh, TMZ, that sort of stuff, saying that Michael Myers is a homophobe. Now, why do they say this? Well, there's a gay couple in the movie, and Michael does kill them. And he does it in an artful way, I'll tell you that much. Um, so, because Michael killed gay people in this movie, people are calling him homophobic. So, I have two points for this. The first one is... W- <sighs> Would it not be more homophobic? Because Michael kills everyone. He doesn't, like, he kills dogs, he kills people, he do- he doesn't give a shit who you are, he kills you, right? So, if that's the case, would it not be more homophobic to, say, not kill them just because they're gay? To kill them and not treat them differently than everyone else is in itself inclusive. I know it's weird because we're talking about murder here, but it the movie is murder centric that's what it focuses on and if you're just treating you're you're not killing these people off purely because of the fact that they're gay and it's that there's no plot driven thing to keep them alive then that is in itself homophobia that's my first thing the second as i've said multiple times michael is pure evil so if he is pure evil, of course he's going to kill ev- he's going to kill gay people. So yes, okay. Let's say Michael is homophobic. We don't know that the man hasn't spoken in the however many years, so he could very well be homophobic. But that makes sense for his character then, because he's pure evil. So of course he that like it's it's really it's a. It's a, in my opinion, it's a stupid thing to, like, cancel him for. for. Like, he's first of all, he's a fictional character. Second of all, like I said, it's more homophobic to not kill them purely because they're gay. And thirdly, he is evil. Of course, he's going to kill people. Of course, and of course, if he's evil, then yeah homophobia would make sense for him because homophobia is a bad thing, yeah? At least I think it is. So, it makes sense for his character. So, I I think it is a stupid argument that these people are having, in my opinion. But, you know, they can do them. I'll do me. I'm just voicing my opinion. Now, uh, this, this is something I picked up. I don't know if anyone else picked it up, but I think... There's a strong theme of uh, mental illness in this movie, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why right now. So, um, in the in the 2018 remake, Michael escaped from a prison bus that was transporting him and some other people to another facility. Right? He wasn't the only person that escaped. There were a few others. So, in this movie, we find out that Michael and this one other guy are still on the run. Now, you have to remember that these people come from a psychiatric hospital, okay? So they're, they're not mentally stable, they're not neurotypical, okay? So um, 
eventually we get to a point so tommy he has gathered up basically the entire town of haddonfield to just sort of go on a manhunt for michael so this other guy that escaped with michael he finds his way to the hospital and when these people see him they think he's michael so they end up chasing him so laurie's daughter laurie's daughter comes in and helps him a bit because she knows it's not michael she's aware of it um so she like brings him to like this corridor and locks the door so they can't get to him and he's obviously he has he's very scared right now and it makes sense if i was in a terrible mental state and people were chasing me trying to kill me i would be like i <laughs> that that's an that's an insane situation to be in especially if you're mentally ill so eventually they start like breaking down the glass parts of the door with like fire hydrants and shit so to get into to get in to kill him so this guy he's like oh man i don't want this to happen and you can see he's like on the verge of t tears he's so scared he does not know what's happening and that makes sense so what he does is oh, by the way um as a trigger warning uh for suicide if you are not um mentally in a place where you can um handle people talking about this uh, i i can respect that that's understandable um but i would advise that you maybe either stop listening now or skip past this section um but yeah trigger warning for suicide um he ends up taking a fire hydrant, busting down the window, uh, uh, one of the windows in the hospital, and he ends up um, jumping out of the window and killing himself because it, it do he doesn't want to go through that. So now, while you could very easily just say that he was trying to escape people who were trying to kill him because of a misunderstanding, you could say that, but the way I interpreted it is because this man is mentally ill and like be, like i don't know i just thought of it as you have this mob of people chasing a mentally ill person purely because he's different than the rest of them they don't know who he is they don't know what he's going through they don't know his struggle and they're chasing him down for that so i think there was like there was a strong type of thinking about kind of i don't know just um how do i say this there there was a i think it was a metaphor or an allegory perhaps for um uh discrimination against um people with mental illnesses at least in my opinion because he was he because of the stigmas and the you know not act people not actually taking time to know the problem not taking time to know the person that's having these troubles because of all of that um he killed himself because that was easier than having to explain things and having to fight through the these people's ignorance but at least that's what that's how i perceived it that that's that's what i do here you know i give you my opinions on things and yeah so yeah um now the yeah geez it's time it's time again. I know. I'm giving you two. Well, the, technically, this is the third one in one month. 
wow, I know. Um, best boy slash girl slash person award. And this time, I know this is a bit blasphemous, but we're giving it to two people, guys. I know. How can there be two best boy slash girl slash persons in a movie? Well, I like to think of them as a package deal. And of course, I'm talking about none other than Big John and Little John. Now, they are the gay couple that Michael killed in the movie. And they are, without a doubt, the funniest people in the movie. I, I, first of all, their nicknames for each other are so cute, Big John and Little John. And it's funny because Big John is smaller than Little John and Little John is taller than Big John. So it's like, oh. But then, like, when kids prank them on Halloween, they, because they, they live in the Myers house, right? They, they bought it, they've refurbished it and stuff. So <laughs> when kids prank them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to scare the shit out of these kids. And then they do that. They're like, yeah, Michael, they start doing all this all this stuff. And they're like, they're just really funny characters. The first time we see Big John, he's dancing around to Halloween music, smoking a blunt, and, and little John is like preparing a cheese board. And they're so wholesome. And they hate kids, which is really funny. I, I can't say they actually hate kids. They don't. They just... They just know how to mess with people that mess with them, which is cute. Like, that's cool for them. I love I love Big John and Little John. I was very sad when they died, um, but hell, hell, it was artful. So speaking of artful, um, one of the returns to form, like I was saying, this movie is an ode to the original, basically. And one of the returns to forms in it is the way Michael kills. I, if you've watched the original Halloween movie, you'll remember when that guy gets stabbed by Michael with a kitchen knife up against the um, wall and he just gets pinned there. And then Michael takes a second to just like tilt his head, kind of admire his work. Michael uh, admires everything. He's an artiste when it comes to this. Let me tell you, literally every time he kills somebody... Afterwards, he'll find a way to set up their bodies so it looks, like, fun. For him, at least. I mean, when he killed um, some people in the park, he put Halloween masks over the head, which, by the way, were the Halloween masks from Season of the Witch. So that's another reference. But, like, they, he put um, masks on them and then, then put them on the playground equipment that was in the park. When he killed Big John and Little John, he... um. He um made it so um little John was like sitting up and then Big John's head was in his lap and then and then he put music on, which is like wow Michael, you're really putting time into this. Even when he killed um like the this couple at the beginning ish of the movie, he first st like stabbed this guy's neck through a piece of glass in a window which he shoved his head through beforehand and that's how it broke and then so this guy he that he he wasn't dead yet um so he just left in there and then he went and killed the wife he didn't kill the wife he stabbed her in the throat with one of those fluorescent uh light tubes um that he had shattered so he and then he put her in a chair and made her watch while she's slowly bleeding out 
Michael repeatedly stabbing her husband with different kitchen knives. And he's just making her watch this. And he just keeps on taking one knife into the guy's back. And he just keeps on doing that. The way Michael does his kills is amazing. And it's really artful. And again, further, say it with me now, emphasizes how evil he is. Yay, yeah, we did it. Yay. But yeah, guys, um, for my rating, I would give this solid, probably a 8, 8 out of 10. Uh, the reason it's not a 10 out of 10 is because of the fact that because the plot is kind of wishy-washy, it could be easy for people to might get lost in it. Um, and yeah, because it is part of like a, a trilogy... Well, technically there's four movies if you count the original one but because of that fact if you haven't seen all of the movies you won't really get this movie because it does take place directly after the 2018 reboot so you may be a bit confused so that's why it's only an 8 out of 10 which yeah, um that's all the time i have today i hope you guys enjoyed this special long edition of ryan's reads um yeah guys uh yeah you can like i said you can get a hold of me you can get hold of me on twitter at ryan's reads there's an underscore ryan's underscore reads both r's are capital um or you can just follow me on spotify uh then you'll get told when the episodes are coming out so yeah either one of those work uh if you guys feel like sharing my podcast to people that you think might enjoy it please do that would be really great for me i would love to um share my thoughts with as many people as possible if that's something that they feel like listening to so yeah um i will see you guys in the next episode uh should be coming around in november and yeah guys see you there bye bye